Bill English is joining me again today from BibleandBusiness.com. Bill, welcome back. Uh, thank you. You know, your, your, uh, your lead up there at the top of the hour talking about uh, our mascots, right? Yes. I, Does BibleandBusiness.com have a mascot? No, but Maple Grove, Minnesota does, which is where <laughs> I live. And we're uh, Maple Grove, right? A Maple Grove yeah. tree. Yeah. And it's Fear the Leaf. A leaf <gasps> is our mascot. <laughs> you know, I feel, I feel like if you have enough leaves, if you have enough leaves, then if you have enough leaves, you know, there's a reason to fear. No, so as on, Maple no. Grove grows, you know, there you go. I don't know. Every, All right. Every time they carry the banner, I just kind of shake my head. You got to fear be the leaf. All right. Fear no, the I leaf. I kind of like that. Right. I kind of like that. I, I, oh, uh, okay. uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I could probably wax eloquent about that, but we won't because that's not what you and I are going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Um, yep. I would like for you to do a little history on the Dow Jones. Um, we're, we're covering this story today because uh, the Dow Jones has, um, I don't know what the word is, ejected some companies and chosen to add some others. So we're going to talk about those. But um, remind us what the Dow is uh, and, and, and sort of it, it's the number that we hear all the time on news reports. So I, I think that's part of my interest in doing this because we do hear reference to it every day a lot. We do, and it's probably one of the less accurate uh, ways to index the market, and yet it still has all the mind share. Of, of investors and people around the globe. Look, the firm was founded in 1882 by Charles Dow, Edward Jones, you've heard of Edward Jones, uh, and Charles uh, Burgress, Burr, whatever his last name is. In 1889, those three guys, uh, <laughs> I know, you know, call me. Apparently, it's, it's, I haven't heard of him. Bergstresser. Okay, Bergstresser. 1889, they, they founded the Wall Street Journal, okay? Uh, so Dow, Charles Dow was known for his ability. He could really explain the market and complicated financial news to the public in a, in a very easy to way understanding uh, or way to understand. And so he developed an index that uh, would would track how the market overall was doing. And they started initially with 12 stocks and they eventually grew to have 30 stocks. So the Dow Jones Industrials benchmarks or indexes 30 stocks and the Basically, the people behind the Dow have to decide which 30 stocks out of the thousands that are out there are they going to put on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, okay? And how are they, which ones are going to be most representative of the entire market so that we can put a number on that market and know whether the market is going up or down? Now, they have a, a, a particular algorithm that they use to, to do all this. I'm not going to get into that. That's too much in the weeds, but that's what the Dow is. Um, and just, uh, we'll, I'll come back to this in a minute, but you're going to want to compare that to the Standard & Poor's 500, okay? So the Standard & Poor's, I'm going to argue, is probably a better way to uh, see if the market is actually going up or down. All right, so the um, can I... Uh Spoiler sure. alert, tell the, tell the three that um, are leaving yeah. the Dow. The three leaving the Dow, uh, Pfizer, Raytheon, and ExxonMobil, which I read right. an article today, uh, means that only Chevron is the uh, – there's only one um, energy stock left on the, on the market uh, – or on the Dow, and that is Chevron. So coming off the Dow, Pfizer, Raytheon, and ExxonMobil uh, being added to the Dow or joining the Dow, Salesforce.com. Amgen, which is a biotech company, and Honeywell International. Correct. What do you? And I so, mean, this is a, this is like a move uh, away from what and toward what. 
No, it, it's it's really it's really what they do, right? I mean, yeah. Apple replaced AT&T in 2015. Walgreens replaced General Electric in 2018. Uh, you know, this is not unusual for companies to be taken on or off the Dow. Look, Amgen's biotech. Mm. Pfizer's a more traditional drug company. And so um, Merck is still on there, a traditional drug company. So it makes sense to replace Pfizer with Amgen. Right. Raytheon, which absorbed United Technologies recently, really had a very much into aerospace and defense. The Dow board didn't like that. So they replaced uh, Raytheon with Honeywell, which is a more diversified industrial conglomerate. It's huge. And then uh, Salesforce replaces Exxon. But you still got Chevron in the mix there for the Dow Jones Industrial. So you still have uh, an energy giant on the Dow. That's Chevron. But now Salesforce, which is more of a software-as-a-service company, is replacing Exxon. Uh, like biotechnology, SaaS, software-as-a-service, S-A-A-S, SaaS is is really growing in importance. And so they put Salesforce on there uh, to represent maybe the SaaS uh, vertical. So really the criticisms have been around that, that the three that are going on are ascending in value. The three that are leaving are decreasing in value. And people are wondering if the Dow's going to overvalue the market. I think it's a lot of you know, what I call much ado about nothing. All stocks are going to go up and down. The three that are coming on are going to go down at some point. After a few days, it'll all even itself out. And, and the Dow, I don't think, will be that negatively or positively affected. Okay, this is going to sound like a pretty pedestrian question. Well, you're a pedestrian. So just, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so if, I, yeah. um, if I'm uh, if I'm playing Monopoly and I bought the um, you know those sort of cheap those those sort of cheaper properties, um, and then I just tried to pass them off as, as more expensive properties, you know, like the green or the blue properties, um, someone would notice that. And so I guess you know the the question here is when I take these three out, is the value that is being added back in exactly the same? Or is there – okay, so that's the part that, let me just confess, I don't exactly understand because the market is valued at what it's valued at. I mean, I can't remember the number right now, but it's pretty high. And um, and so it's at that value. When you take the three out and you put the three in, if there's not – if they're not equal, then doesn't our starting place change? It's not about – Equality of value. See, I clearly it's do about, not understand how it works. I'm <laughs> it's so about sorry. representativeness of the various uh, emerging verticals, right? So, software as a service continues to be an emerging vertical. So, they put uh, Salesforce.com, and there's a lot of money in that in that uh, invested in that uh, vertical. And and if you if you have two energy giants, Exxon and Chevron, well, you pull one out, you still have uh, big energy represented. It's more about uh, load balancing representation across the Dow Jones Industrial. Remember, there's only 30 stocks. They're yeah, trying that's to amazing, right? benchmark. I, that's going to be a surprise market. to a lot of people. That that right yeah. there is going to be a surprise to a lot of people. It only includes 30 stocks. It's yeah. only 30 we, stocks. We thought Look. it was you know the average of the whole thing, which clearly it's not. No, it's not. Look, the Dow only represents about 31 billion of investment dollars. When you, when, you, when you add up those 30 stocks, the Standard & Poor's 500, by contrast, represents $12 trillion investment dollars. Okay? So clearly the Standard & Poor's, from an investment dollar perspective, is a better measure of where the market is going or where it's at than, than where the Dow is, than, than what the Dow can give us. 
And yet the Dow has the mind share. So everybody looks at the Dow. So weird. Okay. It's, it's really, it's really interesting. No, thank you. Um, people are now Googling various emerging verticals, um, and I wrote it down. So that will be a conversation for later. Um, but you and I have to take a very brief break. I'm talking with Bill English from BibleInBusiness.com. And when we come back, um, we're going we're gonna to follow up on a conversation that we started last week on God's uh, purposes for business. And we're going to focus in on one particular purpose, and that is um, that business exists to provide a means to produce products, products that enable communities to flourish. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. If you visit the site, you'll notice that uh, some things are changing there. That's because Bill's working on a book, and in the lead-up to the book, he wants to uh, sort of hone the focus of what's going on at BibleandBusiness.com. So let's be praying for him in the midst of that process. Bill, let's talk about products and production and productivity. One of the reasons that uh, that God created business, really, or why business exists, is in order to provide a means for products to be produced uh, that would lead to community flourishing. Let's talk about this. Yeah, uh, simply producing products to add products to the marketplace is probably not what Christian business owners need to be doing. They need to be producing products that enable the community to move forward, products that have a redeeming value, products that point people to Jesus Christ. And so uh, here's here's kind of the logic. God gives us talents and abilities. We know this, and his gifting and his calling are, are irrevocable. And uh, there is a place where uh, those talents can be used to glorify God or to lead people away from God. And we have tons of examples in our society today where highly talented people uh, put out really high quality work that leads others astray, that leads takes other people away from God. And uh, I'm going to read a little bit, if you don't mind, from Jeremiah 10. Um, uh, for the practices of the people are worthless, says God. They cut a tree out of the forest, and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammers and nails, so it will not totter. Like a scarecrow in a cucumber field, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried, and they cannot walk. Do not fear them, for they can do no harm, nor can they do any good. And then he goes on to say that they... um, that they are all senseless and foolish, and they are worthless wooden idols. And, and, he, and he says later on, he says, all these things are made by skilled workers. So Jeremiah recognizes that highly skilled work, even though it's high quality, can still lead people away from God because it's not the quality of the work that matters. It's not the quality of the product that matters. It is really about the um, the focus of what the product is going to do for or to a person and whether that product is either going to have a redeeming value or whether it's going to take people away from God. And so that's one of the one of the points I'm trying to make in in this chapter that I'm writing for my book on on products. So one of the um one of the points that you highlight and I think that this is it, it's critical that people understand and you've alluded to it there, you know, the production of stuff for stuff's sake is not what we're talking about. We're talking about um, using the gifts and talents, abilities and resources that God has placed within my reach, within my hands, within me to produce something that adds value 
to the community that adds value. So um, I'm not going to get on air and cre- create a product, produce a product that tears people down, uh, that destroys community, or that is contrary to the gospel. I could. I could get on air and do that. Um, but those who support this ministry would pretty quickly shut that down. How do how do consumers, what's the power that I have to influence those who are producing things that are destructive versus the way that I could support those who are producing things that are constructive? I think people who are walking with the Lord are naturally going to be drawn to those types of services and products that point people to God or that have a redeeming value to them. In other words, they add real value. I think those whose hearts are far from God are going to be interested in the former, what you talked about, uh, products and services that um, tear people down, that are destructive, that kind of thing. I mean, you take a look at, I'll just use Bill Maher exam- as, as an example. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's an incredibly gifted communicator and he can be pretty funny. But most of what he does comes out of a base of anger and uh, really disdain for anything uh, that is represented by God. And so even though his output is high quality, it pulls people away from God. I look at Lady Gaga. I love to listen to her voice. What a voice, right? But her songs uh, pull people away from God. Katy Perry grew up in a Christian home, two pastors, his parents, pulls people away from God. And yes, she you know, wrote a, a, a song called I Kissed a Girl and I Liked It, right? And so you, you've, got, you've got high quality people doing this. Christians are not going to be attracted to that. Christians, are, Christians who are walking with God are not going to be attracted to those kind of products, I think. I think they're going to go after the products that are more redeeming. Bill, as always, thank you so much on bringing the Christian worldview to bear on, particularly in this case, business and what we're doing in business as Christians. Really appreciate it. You guys need to check out what Bill's up to at BibleAndBusiness.com. We'll be right back.